0: How does a good God to send people to hell? That's our question today on Life Talks. What is the ethics behind God's damnation that He would actually punish? You some just want to say
1: damnation, didn't you?
0: Well, I'm not allowed to say that word. <laughs> Sorry, Mom. <laughs> but and we we know that you know for those who are in Christ Jesus, there is no condemnation. Uh, but yeah. we know that there is damnation for yes. those who walk apart from faith yeah, and truth. Yeah. So. With that in mind, what what is there? Why does God have to do this? Uh, and are there situations where you've got a Hitler compared to um, you know some some poor orphaned kid that grew up in the streets of Brazil? And and dies a lonely, miserable death at twenty one, and never never had an opportunity to be anything that miserable during his life. But he mm-hmm. dies apart from Christ. Mm-hmm. Is there a difference? In that? These are tough questions. Yeah, they are. And these are the questions that sometimes cause people to begin doubting their mm-hmm. entire faith system. So my name is Dan. I'm with Ben. We're the teaching pastors at Life Charlotte. This is Life Talks, and our series right now is tough questions that Christians can ask from a Bible perspective. So. Ben, this is a humdinger. I think they all are. I think I say that every episode. Humdinger. Like, humdinger. <laughs> all right. Yeah, so I, I get think. Us
1: started. Yeah, I think that um, we always get, most Christians at some point will get asked the hell question. And, you know, I was thinking about this. You know, why does God send people to just put a blank there where it says people? And you will usually get, why does God send, um, you know, people of other religions? You know, so you're saying Christianity is the only way. So why would God send a faithful Muslim or, or a f- Jew or a Jew? Or why would? Or another one is why would God send a good person to hell? Or why would God send someone to hell who's never heard about the gospel? Or again, we just did a recording episode on on sexuality. Why would God send? Why does God send? Why do you think God sends gay people to hell? Well, here's what it comes down to. I don't care. God doesn't send anyone to hell based upon their title or their identity here, okay? It's not like God's like, I hate all the Muslims and I'm sending them to hell. Or like, I hate all the gay people and that's why they're going to hell. Now, what the Bible teaches is that God is a God who is loving and just and pure and holy. And he doesn't pick on any group of people. That all of us, as the Bible teaches, all have sinned and fall short of God's glory, Romans 3.23. We know that there is a punishment and there's a penalty for our sin. And as it says in Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death. So I think there's a couple things we need to keep in mind is that God, the first thing, you know, Dan, you you said this before in the previous episode, I I would not answer, if someone asked me this question, why does God send, you know, people or fill in the, the blank of the group of people. Why does God send those people to hell? Um, I would not answer that question. I would I would say, well, you know, I don't like your premise. Mm. I-, I would say, instead of asking people, why does God send people to hell? What I would say is, I want to ask you a question. Why would God allow people into heaven? That's That's the most important question. Mm. I think it's a better question because I think if we we can't talk about eternal destinies without talking about both options, right? And so I think it's important that, you know, a lot of times people want to debate this. I mean, we all remember, or maybe you don't, but Rob Bell wrote the book, Love Wins. I don't mm-hmm. know how many years ago that was, 15 years, 16 years, I don't uh, know. Somewhere in, it, it, about, about 13. Yeah, it was It was a while ago when Rob Bell wrote his famous book. Uh, and it was like the last, last thing that where he left orthodoxy you know he'd been kind of drifting that way for a while but and that kind of shook the evangelical world like can you can you believe in God and Christianity and the gospel without believing in hell and that was kind of a it just seems like every 20 years these theological issues come up and people have to go back to the Bible again and here's let me just say this the Bible uses many different words for the for the eternal destination of the ungodly. Okay, and let me just go over a quick little Bible lesson so you guys understand what the Bible uses to describe the afterlife. Um, first of all, we have one common term used in the Old Testament, sheol, uh, which doesn't really go into detail because both believers and non-believers in the Old Testament talk about going to sheol, which is, in, in essentially, it just means the, the, the grave pit. It, it, there's really no... Um, we don't get a clear picture of what eternal destinies look like. We get some glimpses. We have some things like Job saying, um, you know, I know on the day of judgment, I will stand with my redeemer, you know, those kinds of things. Um, but we don't get a glimpse of the, the the fullness of the revelation that we get when Jesus comes in the, the, the um, progressive revelation that the biblical writers give until the final revelation in the book of Revelation, where we see the the, the clarity of what's going to happen to all humanity in Revelation chapter 20, 21, 22. So first of all, so we have this word old te- in the Old Testament, Sheol, which simply means the, the place of the dead. Um, and then in the New Testament, we actually have three different words that are used for hell. Did you know that, Dan?
0: I knew there was at least two.
1: Yeah. So th- for 12 times, Gehenna is used. Gehenna was a place. It was actually a physical location. It was outside of the city walls of Jerusalem. It was a place where child sacrifice used to take place. And in Jesus' time, it was a it was a garbage dump that they would light fire. And so there's a continual fire burning garbage. It smelled, it was it just was uh, it represented everything that was wrong. And so when Jesus used the word gehenna, He's talking about the, the destination of people who are outside of the city of God, right? Like they are, they've rejected God. They rejected his people. So therefore they're on the outside of where God's people will be. And it's a place of torment. Um, another word that's used uh, is Hades. And that's used 10 times. It's used as a place where the wicked people go. Righteous people do not go to Hades, but but that's where um, wicked people go. That's used 10 times in scripture. And then one time, Tartarus is used. Now, do you know what Tartarus is? Nope. Tartarus is the is actually a terminology that Greek mythology used a lot to describe where the evil Titans and gods that messed up would go. Hm. Isn't that interesting? And so Peter uses this in Second Peter chapter two to describe the place of judgment for those. Demons that rebelled, or those spirit beings that rebelled against God in Genesis six—that's where God is holding them. It's a—it's like the lowest dungeon of hell is—is is called Tartarus. Um, anyways, it's—it's it's a very interesting term to be used, but it's—it's it's used as a place of torment and judgment. And then you have in in the Book of Revelation the Lake of Fire. And so, when most people think, when most people use the word hell, most people think of the lake of fire, the final destination place, because we know at the, mo- at the great white throne of judgment, God is going to call all humanity before him, and the books will be read, and people's deeds will be read before him. Now, just think about that, Dan. Every human being that's ever lived in the history of this earth will have every deed that they've ever done read before him, and God as judge will pronounce judgment on them. Hmm. That is a frightening reality. Okay. So right now up in heaven or somewhere in the, you know, the, the, the residence of God, there are angelic scribes writing down everything. I mean, it's just fascinating to think about this, this picture, this scene. And there's also, so you have the books and then you have the Lamb's book of life. And if your name is, Again, there's nothing beside your name, but if your name is in the Lamb's Book of Life, you do not have to face the Great White Throne of Judgment. But if you do, if your name is not written in the Lamb's Book of Life, you will face God at the Great White Throne. He will read every offense you've ever committed against him, which let's just say you commit three errors a day, three sins a day, three rebellious thoughts, I mean, which is pretty light light. for most people. You will face thousands and thousands of... Accusations. Accusations. I mean, just think about how long the great white throne of judgment is going to be. Um, It's going to be intense. And at that moment, people that that stand before God as judge and have their account read before them will be cast into the lake of fire. And it says in Matthew chapter 25, Jesus says this, that the, the lake of fire was prepared for the devil and his angels. But it's also set aside for people who look at God and who reject God and who reject everything about God and say, I want to live life my own way. And so why does God send people to hell? Because people have, re- as sinners, have rejected God and they don't want to follow God. They they don't want to, um, you know, appeal to his mercy. Because I think one of the things we have to remember is is God's God's love and his justice and his mercy and his grace and his wisdom are all working together at the same time okay so when God sends people to hell and I've heard some people say well God doesn't send people to hell God you know people just want to go there and God lets them well
0: yeah, the God one, the one I hear God's is often, not passive in this yeah we the, the one and I was going to ask you about this so I'm glad you brought it up because the, the cliche Christian answer often is God doesn't send anybody to hell your sin sends you to hell but yeah. That, yeah, that turns God into you know passive. I mean, I've read you know, I read, it. I was
1: reading today, and some of my studying was like, God doesn't send anyone to hell. In fact, anyone who goes to hell has to jump over God as he's has to jump over Jesus as he's reaching out for them. Like, it's a it's a beautiful picture. I get it, you know, and I understand it. Does God doesn't want anyone to? He, he we see this that God is not willing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. God wants people to repent, but we also know this: not everyone will, and so. There's this reality that that there's a people that reject the truth, people that reject the good news of Jesus, people that reject Jesus as Lord will face they'll face punishment because that's what God I mean there, there's a great you know when when God declares who he is, okay and to Moses in Exodus 34, this is one of the greatest statements of of God's character and nature. It says this, the Lord passed before Moses and proclaimed, Right there, you have a description of the nature and character of God that starts with merciful, compassionate, steadfast love. And at the last thing he says is, but I will not clear the guilty of those who sin and rebel against me. And so you have this reality that, that God has sent his son, Jesus, so that we don't have to go to hell. We don't have to face the consequences of our sin. We can get our names written in the Lamb's book of life. So God sends people to hell who have rejected him. God sends people to hell who say, "I want to live my own way. I don't I I don't want to submit to God. I don't think I'm in need of a savior. I want to live life the way I want to live and that's just the way it's going to be." And so that's the the reality of of the nature and character of God uh that, that hell hell and the lake of fire are an expression of God's justice. And I think that's something important for Christians to remember. So well, so, i've done a lot of talking yeah well <laughs>
0: the, the, here i guess would be the question that that is wanting to be asked though yeah. is you you described you you describe someone who's overtly sinful you yeah. describe someone who is choosing to rebel against god yeah but what about those unfortunate souls who who grew up in a different culture than mm-hmm. one that most of us are familiar with. Yeah, um, and we know the scripture says that they are without excuse. Right. we understand that, mm-hmm. but um, that's still a little difficult to swallow when you consider, you know, some um, you know wonderful grandmotherly uh, <laughs> lady who's grown up in you know the depths of the Brazilian jungle. Yeah, and all she really did all of her life was. Take care of her family the best she could. <laughs>
1: well, you just love Brazil today. It, yeah, it's a Brazil. <laughs> okay. Well, I was trying to avoid other, more obvious, more frequently used continents. If you must know, <laughs> oh, that's funny. Okay, so great question. I think that there's there's a couple there's a couple things I would say that Christians need to remember when answering this question. Um, the first one is this: that the Bible teaches actually that that we harden our hearts not just towards special revelation but general revelation, okay that the Bible in, in Romans chapter one is a great picture of this. Um, we we also have descriptors of like Psalm 8, Psalm 19 where the heavens declare the glory of God in that it, it says in 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 Romans chapter one that the that God's attributes, his divine power, right um, and his goodness are clearly seen that we can look at creation and say i believe there's an all-powerful good god. That's what Romans 1 is all about. But what do we as humans do? We look at that much of the general revelation that we have and say i don't want that. Mm. And so they suppress they exchange the truth for a lie and they create gods of their own making. And so for me my answer to that is god has given everyone some level of revelation even if it's general revelation. Now There are some Christians who, when they are asked that question, believe, and I I don't believe this, but they believe that if if the only thing they receive is general revelation and they have a desire to say, all right, I know there's an all-powerful good God because I can look and see things with my own eyes, um, some people believe that that is enough for God to save them based on general revelation. I don't believe that. I believe that there's only one name by which people are saved, and that's the name of Jesus. Um, so what what But what I will say is this. I have heard enough stories to know that if people who, by general revelation, seek to want to know God, that God has a way of getting people the gospel. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've all heard of the stories of—I mean, countless stories of Muslims having dreams of Jesus saying— come seek me and they'll, and they'll find Jesus. I, I mean, I re- remember reading a book of these these stories of Muslim converts. And one of them, literally this person kept having a dream about a blue book at a bookstore. Go to this bookstore, ask for a blue book. And sure enough, the guy after getting this dream a few times goes to this bookstore, walks into this bookstore, says, do you have a blue book here that I can have? And the guy's like, looks him wide eyed, and says, like, yeah, I've got a blue book here. And he gives him, it's a Bible. And he mm-hmm. takes it home, reads it, becomes a believer. And so like- there are so many stories, and that I'm just, there's so many stories of people saying, I had a dream, I had a desire to know more, and God found a way to get the gospel to me. And I think that's something that we, God is all powerful, and God is so good that if there is, if there is a soul out there that God is drawing to him and has a hunger and a thirst for him, God will find a way to get that person the story of Jesus. I'm convinced of that. We don't have to worry about that, you know? And so, and what I would say is if someone looks at and has received general revelation and they still like, I don't want that God, what makes you think? I mean, the most basic things they can know about God, if they reject that, what makes you think they're going to receive special revelation? When the more they know about God, will they receive that? So, that's why it says no no person is without excuse. and so that's the other this is the small this is another nuance to this answer and i would say this. we know from what jesus said because jesus talked about this that there will be greater judgment for certain people. okay? the more revelation that someone gets and the by their life of their their ethics and deeds we know there are different kinds of judgment, okay? I don't know how that all works. I'm not God or you know, God has didn't write a book on what hell looks like or what the lake of fire looks like. But we just know that there have been times where he expressed and other biblical writers express there is greater judgment for people that have more revelation or have done greater deeds or greater evil, I should say. So if that's the case, people that maybe have not had the fullness of the benefits of revelation or or other things, their torment may not be as harsh as the torment of people that have seen everything. And so anyways, that's another small nuance that answered that. And again, not that any level of the lake of fire is going to be good, but that's just, You know, Jesus talked about that. Yeah.
0: And I think it's really important because of the predominance of naturalism in the culture is that the Christian never forgets the reality of the supernatural. That's right. And as Christ draws the repentant to himself Mm -hmm. and convicts them of their sin, that always, always is a Mm -hmm. supernatural act. Absolutely. Even if you've got a Bible in 27 locations in your house. That's right. Or if you don't have a Bible within 27 miles of you. That's right. Uh, the, The other thing, too, is. Uh, these kind of questions, and I, and I want to say this as we continue to go through these these series, we're not raising these questions because we think we have every answer or that you should have every answer. Um, we are acknowledging the fact that there are a lot of questions about God and our faith and truth and eternity that we do not have the answers to. Mm-hmm. And we're providing plausible explanations, possible explanations. Um, but our focus always ought to be on the knowns and mm-hmm. not just the unknowns. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with entertaining the unknowns because they help us to pursue God and they right. and, and to be able to uncover the mysteries of God or even to be aware of the mysteries of God is an important part in our spiritual progression. It is Mm. what gives us a thirst after the Mm. right things. Mm -hmm. At the same time, if you demand that you have all of your questions about God answered Mm. before you're willing to believe in him, then you're going about things the wrong Mm. way. Mm -hmm. It takes a childlike faith. It takes Mm -hmm. a basic understanding. And God is not willing that any should perish and that even the most simple thinker can know enough about what God is doing and what That's God right. has done in order to receive him. 100%. So those are those are important principles as we get started. Well, Ben, thanks for thanks for taking on this really, really tough question. Um, and if you're listening to this and maybe you have a question of your own that you say, oh, man, I hope they hit this one. Well, don't assume we've got it on our list. Send it to us. You can always contact us by uh, by giving us an email at lifetalks at lifecharlotte.com. And uh, we will be glad to consider any questions you want to send our way. Hmm. As always, we hope that you'll share us on social media and uh, and encourage your friends to uh, take a listen to us wherever they catch their podcast. But as always, thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time on Life Talks. You've been listening to Life Talks.
1: Be sure to hit the subscribe button so you never miss a new episode. Share this podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter to let your friends and family know about Life Talks. We'd love to hear from you as well, so leave a comment and let us know your thoughts on this episode or any other topics we've discussed. Life Talks is a ministry of Life Fellowship in Cornelius, North Carolina. For more information on Life Talks or Life Fellowship, visit LifeCharlotte.com or you can find us on Facebook at Life Fellowship Charlotte.